0: Do y'all believe that we made it to the end of 2021? I mean, woof. This two years now, basically, that we've been in a pandemic, I'm like, can you hear me scratching my head? I bet you can. (laughs) Anything to soothe myself, because this year has also been a roller coaster. But if you're here and you're listening, you survived. Welcome. We have survived together. (sighs) Collective deep breath. So thanks for joining me. This is Conversations with a Wounded Healer, and I'm your host, Sarah Buino, and I'm really happy to wrap up the year with you and hopefully look forward to amazing things in 2022. Before we get to that, I wanted to shout out some people who... It's probably individual people, actually, who are listening to this podcast. As I've told you before, I've kind of fairly recently figured out how to find out more information about y'all through my statistics on the, on the back end of the podcast. And I found out that there are tons of small market listeners. That's what they call it in the biz, small market, which is like, I guess, not a big city. I don't really know but one of the places where one person it looks like is listening is Juneau, Alaska. So I wanted to give a shout out to my listener out there in Juneau, Alaska. P.S. My whole life, I assumed that it was spelled J-U-N-O like the movie. And alas, it's J-U-N-E-A-O, which is very French. And without you, Alaska listener, I may never have known that it was spelled that way. So thank you. Also something that's really kind of interesting, I've been checking out where I fall in the stats for podcasts, which, of course, it's this is a very niche podcast, so I don't expect that everyone in the world is going to be interested in it. But apparently in Iceland, we're in the top 100 mental health podcasts. Holy shit. So thank you to probably, I don't know, five Iceland listeners out there who are supporting the podcast. So much appreciated. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Another thing I wanted to mention before we get to today's guest, so Sarah Calvarese is our guest today, and we talk about small business and anti-capitalism and all that stuff, and we've been talking about that a while in the podcast. The way that I showed up in part of this episode, I was not very pleased with myself, And I'm trying not to, I'm not actually, I'm not beating myself up about it. But you know, sometimes when I say things that I'm like, oh, why did I say that? I think about do I delete it or do I just note it for listeners? And most of the time I share it all with you (laughs) because I really want to share my journey, right? Because that's what this whole thing is about. So Basically, we were talking about people with means, and I live in a neighborhood that I've lived here for 12 years, and it's drastically changed since I moved here. And one of the things that I have always loved about Chicago is you know, the unique architecture and all types of different people living in and near around one another. And what's changed since we've moved to this neighborhood is they've knocked down a lot of the old gray stones or they've gutted them and they've, you know, made these big like mansions out of them. And it's been hurting my soul. It's been hurting my soul so much. And one thing, one ugly thing that's come out of this is my, how do I say this? I was raised to hate rich people actually going back to when I married my husband, you know, I note the privilege that I I married a person who had means. And I remember going to therapy and talking about, I don't feel like I deserve this, this being, it's not like he was like, Throwing gold coins over my head or something. But, like, I don't know, there was something internally that was like, I don't deserve to be with somebody who has money. And then when I went to grad school, I had to write a paper on my biases. And one of the things that I discovered in that paper was that my mom hated rich people. And I think that it had to do with the Bible and, you know, saying that it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than it is to get into heaven. And so, I think she just really, she wouldn't have said that she hated them, but I just remember her being really judgmental towards people with money. And I felt that way for a really long time. And then I married someone who had it and I was like, okay, cool. I'm a person who has it now, so I can't hate them anymore. And now I'm surrounded by people who have like, I mean, I don't, I literally can't even understand how much money people need to have to live in our neighborhood because it's just become out of control. So I share this all with you because it's something that I've really recognized about myself that I don't like. I don't like being judgmental. I especially don't like being judgmental of all of the people that are literally physically surrounding me. And so last time I had a tarot reading with this amazing tarot reader who I really, really hope we're going to have on the show soon, I talked to her about this and I said, we want to move and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, you could do a spell to support the healing of your neighborhood. And at first I was like, you know what? Fuck that. They don't deserve my healing. Back to the judgment, right? And then I was talking to my BFF, Livia, about it. And she's like, why don't you think about it not as you healing them? Because that feels like you're giving something to them that you don't want to give them. Think about it as you are just The conduit, and you are just you're calling for healing. You're not the one doing the healing. You're just, and of course I'm not the one doing the healing. Good Lord. I can't heal anyone, which is what we talk about all the time. But this idea of calling in healing to this space around me. And then Danae Sweet, who is my witch teacher right now listen to her podcast, Witchy Woman Podcast. She was saying that I can think of it as I can just light a candle for them every day and also think about awakening and awareness. And maybe that's something that I can contribute to the folks around me. So I wanted to share that all at the beginning here, because you'll hear me get like really bitchy and judgmental and be like, what the F? So just to know, I actually, I really always think about these things. And the podcast is almost this like audio journal of mine that I can go back and think about my healing journey and all that I've been through. So thanks for going through this with me. Thanks for holding me even when I'm judgmental. So now on to today's amazing guest. Today's guest is so cool. I knew she was cool when I saw her on Instagram, but I was especially excited when we talked and was just blown away by everything that they know. So Sarah Calvaris is an anti-capitalist science witch who owns the Eighth House, an ethical, modern, metaphysical shop in Mount Holy, New Jersey on Lenape land. She is an astrologer, tarot reader, deck creator, author, and maker. She comes from a long line of small business owners and enjoys advocating for small businesses struggling to exist in late-stage capitalism. So please enjoy this wonderful, amazing, mind-blowing, exciting conversation with Sarah Calvarese. Sarah Calvarese, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer.
1: Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's Monday. It's my day off. So reporting to you live from my living room. <laughs> yes. Wonder are there any pets back there? I see a partner, but any pets? Herm is down like on this side of my desk here. You can't see him, but he is he does neighborhood watch for us. He is my dog and he is stalking some particularly <laughs> fat groundhogs that live behind our apartment. So he's on very important pup duty right now. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Herm, (laughs) thank you for your service.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm always, first of all, excited to talk to another Sarah, except that you don't have an H. And so really, we're supposed to fight to the death, but we're going to defy all logic and just be friends today.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a super long last name (laughs) and it's like hyphenated and all kinds of stuff because like I'm Italian. And my parents were like, we'll just save her the letter. Just the (laughs) one letter.
0: (laughs) Thanks, mom and dad. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, before we get into what's going to be an amazing conversation, you want to tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world?
1: Yeah. So I guess. I do a lot of things. I am an astrologer and I have a Gemini Mars in the 10th house. So for people who are not astrologers, that means that in terms of my public persona and my career, I do a lot of things. I'm very busy and I do a lot of things. I own the 8th house, which is a modern metaphysical shop in Mount Holly, New Jersey, and it is an online shop too. Um a deck maker, just finished my first book. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we're having a bit of a time with it right now because of all the supply chain stuff globally. Yeah, So it's very delayed, which people are thrilled Mm. about, of course. Mm -hmm. So Kickstarter. (laughs) And I am a reader. So I do astrology and tarot. I'm an anti-capitalist. I'm a science witch. I was actually a chemical engineer for about 12 years before leaving that to do this. And, yeah, I think that's me in a nutshell. I do a lot of small business work. My thing is a lot of small business advocacy. I come from a long line of small business owners. Almost everyone Mm. in my family owned a small business, was a union worker or was a teacher. So we fall into one of those three buckets. Everybody. Wow.
0: Very cool. And I found you on Instagram. I think someone must have reposted or you posted under some hashtag that I follow. And I was like, mm, I like this situation. And then just kept looking and was like, yeah, we just need to have a conversation.
1: Yeah, it's a weird Instagram feed. It's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of things <laughs> in one. But yeah, even that I didn't do any social media really prior to the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. kind of had to. I'm new to yeah. it. And It was a little strange because I had like an Instagram for the store, but it was just like I'd post a product photo and I wouldn't post anything for like two or three weeks. And then Mm -hmm. as things started to happen with the pandemic and with small business and George Floyd and a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I care about, the election, anti-vax stuff, just Mm -hmm. I started to become more and more vocal on my page about things, which some people love and some people didn't love <laughs> but mm-hmm. it became this like page that's sort of like a lot of things all in one i guess i don't know
0: yeah i feel like head heart is like that too right we're doing spirituality and social justice and funny memes and all the
1: stuff you kind of have to i feel like yeah. it's it's sort of we're in an era for small business where and not even just small business, but, you know, even a therapy practice or anything where Mm -hmm. we have to be more upfront about our values, we Mm -hmm. are talking about what we believe a lot more. And so I think we're just seeing a lot more of that like varied content in people's Yeah.
0: Well, I do identify as a small business owner. There are 13 of us now. I think we just hired somebody else. So yeah, I'm in it with you.
1: It's like, it's not an easy time.
0: (laughs) Well, let's do a little origin story. How did you get into astrology, tarot, witch stuff, all of it? Where'd that come from?
1: I got into it because I went to school for chemistry and I was like big into math and physics as well. I have been into tarot and astrology since I was a teen because I was very big into the science stuff. The more I learned about quantum theory and theoretical math, the more I became interested, specifically in astrology, Mm. the more you study. These things used to be studied together, right? Like science and spirituality, Mm. math and spirituality used to be studied side by side. Mm. And metaphysics and physics became divorced at some point. Mm. (laughs) I wonder why. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but I'm I'm definitely here for the remarriage of, yeah. of of the two. I would argue that they share a lot of common goals. I mean, they aim to help us like understand the world around us. They aim to improve quality of life. They have more in common than people realize. So I got into astrology. And then from there, I got into tarot. I did. This is a story that's been on a few podcasts. I Bought a tarot deck from Spencer's Gifts in the Ohio Valley Mall. <laughs> I grew up in Appalachia. Like Oh wow. Yeah. So like I'm from West Virginia, like up near Pittsburgh. Okay. There are no metaphysical shops in the tiny Mm-mm, town that I grew up in. I can imagine. No, not at all. So yes, went to the very glamorous Ohio Valley Mall and picked up a tarot deck where you can also buy flavored lube. You know, and (laughs) and quote unquote personal massagers. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good time. And I (laughs) hid it in a deep freezer in my parents' basement in a split-level house where they kept their lawnmower. And so it always smelled like gasoline when I would go to like my my tarot cards. And now when I'm at a gas station, it always makes me want to do tarot, which is kind of funny. But That's, that's so cute. Yeah, that's how I found it. It was just like in my teens. Really, I was studying a lot of philosophy and theoretical math and physics and it led me mm. down this rabbit hole and i don't know in college i sort of like didn't touch it for a while i was very busy and maybe a few years into working in corporate america i just knew it wasn't for me it wasn't for me at all uh, i knew my first day of my first quote unquote real job that it was not for me and i started like returning to this tarot and astrology stuff on the side And when I was about Saturn return time, I guess I would have been around like 28, I started to think about having my own business. And then it started as like just readings and teaching classes on the side. It was Mm -hmm. all online, working festivals. And then I ended up opening a store with a friend of mine who she was with me for the first like year and a half that we had the store. And then she ended up leaving the business. She had a baby and moved to Rhode Island. And now it's just me. Mm. And it's grown in a way like we're only three years old in the shop. Wow! And we went into the green in year one, which is unheard of. Huge for First, brick and mortar. Well, we opened in cash too. So yeah, this is one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, For two years, I worked two full-time jobs. So I worked Mm. in corporate America. I lived really, really small and then we dumped everything into the store. Wow! And then in the pandemic, I was faced with some things where I had to leave my corporate job to do this full-time.
0: That's so exciting.
1: Maybe longer answer than you wanted, but that's how we arrived here. (laughs) yeah.
0: I'm really excited to support our friends at Sista Afia for their fall campaign, Whole Women, Whole Communities. This year, Sista Afia Community Care has offered 650 free therapy sessions and over 35 community workshops and classes that have collectively served over 200 women. The goal is to raise $35,000 so they can continue to offer free mental wellness care to black women in Chicago. They need your support to sustain the progress they've made so far. Sista Afia continues to remove barriers to accessing mental wellness care in their communities. Would you please consider contributing to the end of year annual campaign by giving 50, 100, $250, or truly whatever amount you can towards the total goal of $35,000. It'll help deepen the impact in providing free mental wellness care for black women. The campaign will run the entire month of December, but make sure to donate now. To donate to Sista Afia's campaign, please visit donorbox.org slash S-A-C-C, whole women slash fundraiser slash Sarah-Bueno. Well, I'd love to go back to when I read that you called yourself a science witch. I wanted to hear more about that because I think the stereotype is that either you believe in science or you believe in metaphysics. Can you talk a little bit more about the connection and or the divorce
1: Yeah, for me, I think that science is magic in a lot of ways. When we think about what we can do with science, like, is this or is this not magic? And like I said, I do think that they share a lot of similar end goals, right? Both Mm. are used to try and explain the world around us. Both are used as a way to comfort us and to help us improve the quality of the time we have here. Mm -hmm. for me I think there's a lot of people who think that if you're into spirituality like you must be into natural medicine you must be into this Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily true I'm not against certain natural medicines but I am definitely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) pro-vaccine you know so that gets a lot of attention on the feed and in any spaces where spiritual people exist you know everybody wants to argue about it and the fact is, is I think having seen what research looks like, because I worked in pharmaceuticals for the first part of my wow. career.
0: Wow.
1: You, uh, really yes. <laughs> like so. you literally fucking know all this shit. Yeah, well, and I worked on uh, the flu vaccine. So I actually worked on like the, not necessarily the SARS vaccines, but the actual flu yeah. shot. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that SARS vaccines have been in the works for a very, very long time. This yes. Is, you know, this is I read that recently. Yeah, that's like not to turn this right. into like, whatever. But it's not as new as people think it is. And right. I think there's a lot that goes into research that is really quite magical. Like a lot of it is, let's just do this and see what happens. But also, it's highly controlled and highly, I would almost dare to say, ritualistic. Like there's a there's a very <laughs> defined way that you have to do, you know, like a double blind study and when you get a result, the result has to be repeatable. And then it also has to be peer reviewed. And in magic, we believe in ritual, we believe in repetition, we believe in, you know, all of these things that sort of mesh together, but we think of them as like very separate, you know, and literally science alchemy is a part of science. And so it's so interesting to me to see people who are spiritualists talking about alchemy and then you're like, but you don't believe in certain parts of science? And it's like, the two are the same. And also, I don't think that these are things that are mutually exclusive. I think that in a lot of ways, science and magic coexist. We don't even see it. It's like on such a microscopic level, specifically when you get into like quantum theory and quantum physics and we're looking at mathematical possibility, Right. We're Mm -hmm. looking at mathematical possibility for things like predestiny or alternate Mm. timelines or just so fascinating. So this was the stuff that really fascinated me. (laughs) Unfortunately, there are not a lot of jobs in it. I mean, unless you're in academia, there's really not, Mm -mm. you know, there's really not anything.
0: Talk about patriarchal systems,
1: (laughs) (sighs) please. But that was really my interest. And so Mm. I did the major that I did so that I could study these things. Um, but it's a lot more integrated than people actually realize. So I am a science witch. I'm someone who believes very much in antibiotics. We believe very much in the science of vaccines. We also believe that if you have a sore throat, lavender tea can help. Right. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of things, nature does have the answer. So right. it's this idea of sort of like integrating the two things. And I actually think there are more people out there who are like this. Mm-hmm. than who are actually polarized on different sides. Do you really feel that? I sometimes am
0: concerned that we are in the minority. How are you feeling that?
1: Well, I just think that it's, you know, so me growing up, I, excuse me <laughs> one second. <laughs> There's Sorry. a puppy doing something fun. He's like, he keeps getting in the blinds. Um <laughs> It's just like what are? I wish I could see that. Why are you like this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog so I can picture it? He's a terrier. He's got like a beard and everything. He's a lot. He has a lot of personality. Oh my god. Okay, so I think about people like my grandparents. My grandparents are people who had a lot of like natural Italian remedies for things when you were feeling sick. They also believed in christianity of course they're catholic because Mm -hmm. italian people but also believed in a lot of like strega witchcraft so like weird things my grandmother would do so if you were low on money she would burn bay leaves which is actually like italian witchcraft
0: is that what strega means Mm -hmm. yeah it's like a
1: a type of italian witch
0: oh strega nona! i keep seeing okay i'm here Mm -hmm. now
1: got it Mm -hmm. yep And then, you know, so on that side of things, definitely they believed in sort of like the spirituality, the stuff you can't see, the natural remedies. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side, like my grandparents, my grandfather was a mechanic. He was highly logical person, understood Mm -hmm. very well how engineering works. Mm -hmm. Was it fancy? Was it academic? No. But I would argue that like he had every bit of common sense that you would need to be able Mm -hmm. to go and do that had he been given the opportunity. But he had a very, you know, analytical, scientific mind. They got vaccinated. They went to the doctor and got treatment when they had cancer. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are more people out there that exist in both realms. Most people I know would accept chemo for cancer and would Mm -hmm. accept medical treatment for a health emergency, but Mm -hmm. also are at least somewhat religious. Mm or spiritual. So I think that Mm -hmm. there's more people who sort of are in the middle than we realize, but I think that it's become, I don't know how we arrived at a place where facts are now opinions.
0: I mean, Trump. Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, who else do we blame? (laughs) I mean, I guess, I guess that is, well, we could talk about, you know, social media and the algorithms and how that had a lot to do with it, but Was that the precursor or was he the precursor and then social media took it off?
1: Well, you know, I come from an area of the country that's very interesting because where I grew up, when I was growing up, I didn't think of this as rare, but I lived in a very small town called Chester, Mm -hmm. West Virginia, and there weren't like big chains there. It was, you know, like Mm. my grandparents had their mechanic shop. There were a couple of credit unions, uh, family-owned pharmacy, family-owned grocery stores. And from an economics perspective, wealth was really recirculating there, right? Because people would make their money, Mm. spend it within Mm -hmm. the community, and then the money gets circulated. You generate a lot of local tax revenue. It's a whole thing. Mm. And I remember my family being these unionized Democrats, right and they were fighting for coal unions steel unions small business all of these things they did not want big business in their towns and because there was a surplus of tax dollars they could afford good schools they could afford the roads could be in good shape all these things of course that didn't last right i mean mm-hmm. steel under second bush era steel went overseas the coal mines we've known that coal and fossil fuels weren't sustainable for a long time what you end up with is this community that is largely not college educated. And I'm not gonna say uneducated because they're not stupid people. They're not stupid people. And this is another thing where I hear a lot of people in the Northeast. I live in the Northeast and I hear a lot of people say things like, well, people choose to live in Texas. They get what they get. No, you don't write off entire parts of the country because of what politicians are doing. Mm -hmm. And the people in the area that I grew up in are largely now Trumpers. And they're Trumpers because when Trump was running, he spoke to them. He showed up in these places and spoke to these people. Now, was what he was saying correct? Of course not. Of course not. But these people are left in a really bad way. I mean, Mm -hmm. think about being somewhere with no college education. They yank away your job, All of these large corporations come in. So now the wealth isn't even recirculating from an economic standpoint. So your choices are to go work at Walmart 39 hours a week and not even have health insurance for basically an unlivable wage or be homeless. Like there's not really options. These people can't pick up and just go become a lawyer in another state somewhere. This is the stuff that they don't talk about. And so you have these vast expanses of disenfranchised people who are feeling like, what the hell? Because politicians and lobbyists have completely pulled the rug out from under the middle class and allowed billionaires to do whatever they want. And if Trump comes into an area and speaks to these people, we're traditionally Democrats, you know, pro-union Democrats. Mm -hmm. He's able to move them. He's able to, even though they're not voting Mm -hmm. in their best interest, objectively, he's able to move them.
0: Wow. Wow. Do you still have family there?
1: Yeah, some, I guess. My aunt and uncle, both my aunts and uncles are still there. But I have a lot of friends there. That's where I would have graduated high school. But we ended up moving to Georgia when I was maybe 14. Just after everything that happened with Bush, getting rid of steel and stuff, my parents saw the writing on the wall and they moved us out of state. So I'm not going to say Georgia was better or worse, just different. But
0: right, right.
1: what I will say is when I went back years later and looked around, it's heartbreaking to see what this town looks like compared to how I remember it growing up.
0: Yeah. Is there a lot of drug problems as well?
1: Yep. They have, I think it's like 11 times the national average for opioid addiction because a lot of these people were laborers, right? So they were doing hard back-breaking labor. They had lots of chronic injuries. They would go to pain management clinics, And then, of course, when that doesn't cut it anymore, Mm -hmm. a tale as old as time. We've all seen intervention.
0: Yep. And opioids, I don't know if everybody knows this, long-term chronic opioid use actually creates more pain in the body as well.
1: I know a lot of people that I would have graduated with who have died. Mm. So it's just an interesting thing to look at. And I do think we're very polarized now what's interesting is I think that the thing that can unite us is class solidarity because across the board, I meet so many people who think that they're like wealthy. They think when we say eat the rich, that we mean them. Oh, you know, If yeah. you're making even like $300,000 a year, we're not talking about you. You know what I mean? Like you're well to do relative to a lot of the country. You're still way closer to being homeless, you know, then you're close enough to being like uh, an Elon Musk, right. Or a Jeff Bezos.
0: That's so interesting because I live in a neighborhood and if any of my neighbors are listening, I'm sorry, but this is the truth. We've been here 12 years and my husband's family owns the building and we moved here when we thought we were going to have children. And this is like the best school district in the city. Decided not to have children. Best decision of my life. No offense to anyone who has children. (laughs) Right. And there used to be diversity in the neighborhood, in terms of not really, unfortunately, racial diversity, a couple families of color, but at least in terms of ages of people and and all of that, and all of a sudden in the past like four years, it's become like people keep knocking down all these old beautiful homes and building these like crazy monstrosities and. I just keep thinking like, how much money do these people make? Like we are, we're both social workers. We are solidly middle-class, but we have a ton of privilege because my husband's father was an entrepreneur. And so we have that to fall back on, but I'm just looking around and I'm like, I'm not like you and you know that you're not like me. And I can't imagine because I just, the selfishness that I see the opulence that i see it scares me because i don't see these people caring about anyone but themselves and i i don't know how we're going to join together
1: yeah it's interesting cuz well from an astrology standpoint this is kind of fun okay. yeah so, okay. rolling up my sleeves for this <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of fun not just people have natal charts anything can have a natal chart your marriage a country the start of a business the time you buy a home <gasps>
0: I need to do the chart for my business. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm going to hire you for that it's because a whole that sounds thing. like so much fun. It's a whole thing. But yeah, like, I'm not going to say Carl Jung wasn't problematic as most, you yes. know, white dudes doing this kind of work of the time were. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was problematic. But his theories say that whatever is created at a moment in time takes on the characteristics of the stars, what's happening in the stars mm-hmm. at that moment in time. As above, so below, mirroring, synchronicity, the whole thing, all of it. The United States is coming up on its Pluto return. So let's talk about what that means. Say what that is, yes. (laughs) So (laughs) when we are born, we tend to know our sun sign, right? So if you ask somebody, like, oh, Mm -hmm. what's your sign? What Mm -hmm. you're asking is, what is your sun sign? And what zodiac sign was the sun? Hey, so is my dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We call call him Woke Dino. (laughs) We love (laughs) love Woke Dino. He's got bad knees. He wants to protest, but he's got bad knees. Um, (laughs) But so when someone asks you, hey, what's your sign? They're saying, under what sign was the sun when you were born? For a lot of people who read their horoscopes, fun fact, your horoscope can be off because... A horoscope is using something called a sunrise chart, which means it assumes your sun is in the first house out of 12 houses. Mm. You have a one in 12 chance for that to be correct. But for most yeah, people, yeah, most people their sun is not in their first. House. I mean, it's just basic mm-hmm. statistics, right? So they mm-hmm. tell you to actually read for your rising sign when you're reading your horoscope because hey, then it assumes the correct mm-hmm. position of your chart. And what a horoscope is, is a transit reading. So it's looking at where moving planets are transiting through the different signs and houses. Question real
0: quick. Yeah. This is whole sign houses, right?
1: You can do it whole sign placidus. There's all kinds of ways to read a chart, but.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just starting to really understand it. And so I'm asking questions to be like, is this right? And so, got it. Okay.
1: Go yeah. I, I don't know how most people do their horoscopes. Some people do it placidus, some mm-hmm. do equal house, equal sign, all that. But mm-hmm. I do know that they use sunrise charts. And so when you use sunrise charts, you're assuming the sun in the first house. So if you use your rising sign, mm-hmm. the orientation of your chart will always be correct for the horoscope. So fun tidbit got there it. if you're reading you know, Cosmo, your bedside astrologer, whatever. Mm -hmm. Read for your rising sign if you know it. But essentially, the sun is in a place when we're born in our charts, but so are all the other planets, right? And planets stop moving for no one. So, you know, a chart is sort of like taking a picture at a moment in time and then the planets just keep moving. When we talk about a planetary return, it means that a planet has made a full orbit and is now back in the exact sign, house, degree, everything that it was in at the time the chart was created. So your birthday is your solar return. It's your
0: solar return. <gasps> um, You're
1: making things
0: make so much <laughs>
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's actually not super complicated. I mean, I, dare, I shouldn't say that. There are complicated things, but it's very basic like math, which is part of why I like astrology so much. But Pluto as a planet... Pluto is responsible for tearing away what is not for us, right? Pluto Mm -hmm. is like being in a pressure cooker. It's the underworld. If we study mythology, anybody who is anybody did their turn in the underworld and came back reborn in some way. So it's about death, transformation, rebirth, change, change. It's almost got, if you're a tarot reader, it's got like tower card energy. Tower, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, tower's actually ruled by Mars in the Golden Dawn tradition. But Mars is Pluto's traditional ruler, which is a whole thing. But Right, because
0: Pluto <laughs> was added
1: later. Right. Yes, yes. So, Outed. yeah, we didn't know those outer planets were there for a long time. Yeah, astrology's old. It's real old. So, with Pluto, in the United States, sort of like, quote-unquote, birth chart for the country... Pluto was in Capricorn, and Pluto is currently back in Capricorn. And for the last probably, I would say, four to five-ish years, we've been feeling a steady buildup of this Plutonian energy. And when you think about what have the last four or five years felt like, I mean, we're talking like 2018 until now. And there are a lot of astrologers, I can give you some at the end here, but there are a lot of astrologers who do political predictive astrology
0: channy i love channy
1: well so even beyond channy like there's this guy bruce wayne he predicted the delta variant not i mean it wasn't called delta but he was looking at at a particular aspect pattern and he's like around the time we were all getting vaccinated he's like "Mm, i wouldn't be so sure i think that we may see like a breakthrough thing because this particular aspect pattern is going to happen again and then boom delta and i was like If astrology Mm. is fake, why is it so real? (laughs) Well, it's also historical
0: too, right? Like, so it sounds like astrologers are mathematicians and historians. It's a
1: study of time. So when people say they don't believe in astrology, Carolyn W. Casey, who's one of my favorite astrologers, says, okay, well, that's kind of like saying you don't believe in a calendar or a clock. Because that's all it is. It exists. Yeah. Right. That's all it is. We just look at like, Mm. when this planet is hanging out in this sign, this tends to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So what's happening with Pluto uh, in Pluto Returns is we typically see a big stripping away, a big transformation. And historically, we can give you some context, the French Revolution happened during Mm. the nation's Pluto return. And right now, we currently have the same wealth gap as the French Revolution, like actually a larger wealth gap than was present. It's giving very, you know, palace of Versailles. I'm just saying. Wow. Yeah, I need
0: to listen to who you're listening to.
1: (laughs) So the, well, I mean, a lot of astrologers have been talking about this for a long time because we've known it was coming. But February, Mm. February 2022 is when the transiting Pluto will be in its exact conjunction Mm. to natal Pluto for the US. Mm. It'll sort of build up into February it will take place in the second house. There's going to be this big stellium in the second house, which is the house of value, money, wealth, resources. And so a lot of people are thinking this is going to be a sort of breaking point for the working class to say, we've had Mm -hmm. enough, we can't continue in this way. I don't know what that means. I'm not a psychic. Astrologers, some astrologers are psychics. I'm not a psychic. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) So, you know, I look at this more as like a study of, historically what happens during
0: mm-hmm.
1: nations Pluto returns. And I just think this is so interesting. I think that we may see something big and unexpected happen. And then typically, it's kind of like a wave or a contraction, like you feel it builds and mm-hmm. it comes to a pinnacle. And then as Pluto moves through, it sort of wanes off. And then Pluto mm. at this point is moving into Aquarius. So we, Aquarius, we yeah. tend to think of Capricorn energy as being this very capitalist sort of energy. And I hate Mm -hmm. to say that because my husband has a lot of cap placements and he's an anti-capitalist. So it's not, I don't mean that like in the sense of people, although some people, Jeff Bezos is heavy cap stellium in the 10th and he was born to be Jeff Bezos. So not all caps, I'll say. Yeah, But (laughs) I love them. And I think that they have an empathy that seldom gets shown in Mm. modern day astrology. But Mm. we are moving from this, Capricorn vibe into Aquarius. And Aquarius is, is socialism. It's humanitarianism. Mm-hmm. It's yep. about doing what's good for the collective. So a lot of astrologers have fingers crossed high hopes that this could be a long overdue change. So I don't know. Wow.
0: But <laughs> you just blew my mind. And it all makes uh yeah, it all makes so much sense and it overlaps with everything else I've been hearing from different astrologers that I've been listening to. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea how mind blown I would be today. So thank you for all of this.
1: (laughs) Outer planet astrology is pretty wild. The outer planets really control a lot of like the societal stuff because they Mm. stay in one sign for a long period of time. So they affect on like a generational scale. So you can look at like, Neptune, for instance, like a generation's Neptune sign says a lot about what do they dream about, but also Neptune rules like illusion, delusion, confusion, right? Mm. And under like... Ooh,
0: what's the boomer's Neptune then?
1: So for my generation, for millennials, it's we're we're Neptune in cap. And so we're a generation that quite literally dreams of stability. We want to be able to buy a house. We want to have healthcare. Right. And Hmm. like, it's also the thing that we were... It's like a delusion. It's an illusion. Well, We can't really touch it.
0: I'm looking at my Neptune right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. so It's really interesting to look at some of those outer planets because they do affect entire generations. And then where they fall in your house system says where you are acting this thing out for your generation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Sagittarius would make sense since I'm tail end of Gen X. So that would be Scorpio, Neptune for boomers, right?
1: Yeah, that would be right before. But depending on, I don't know what the years are for boomers. So that's hard for me to say. Well, that's that's the one before Gen X.
0: So I mean, obviously, I'm assuming, but
1: Pluto has a 248 year orbit. So it spends a lot of time in Mm -hmm. sign. So I'd have to look at the Mm -hmm. dates for boomers to see like, Mm -hmm. considered a boomer against what because it may actually span two signs or, you know what I mean? So got it. I'm not sure. But like, uranus as an outer planet says how we rebel how do we rebel Mm -hmm. against the generation that came before us Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. pluto says what do we tear down what do we change so the outer planets don't get a lot of love but they are actually really pretty important in astrology (laughs) Mm -hmm. i
0: could just talk to you for the rest of my life this is great. So many people are going to hire you after this. You're going to be, I mean, you're already busy. I know, but because you're so brilliant, but I'm just blown away. I knew you were smart, but like I had no idea we were going to get this mind blown.
1: It was like, I don't even think of myself as being like, You know, smart. It's just like it's a. This is the stuff that I wanted to study, and there is no career for this unless you do it for yourself. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You're like motherfucker. I'm gonna learn this. There's no job for this. Like, you can't go to school to learn like quantum physics, quantum theory, Mm -hmm. astrology, Mm -hmm. with the side of like let's make some vaccines. Like, there is no major. (laughs) Wow.
0: Well, but given all that you do, that begs the question: Would you consider yourself a healer?
1: That's tough. I don't know. I would say no. I would say no. I don't think that I can do that for anybody else. I think that that's kind of like on them. Like, I mean, you're talking about like conversations with the wounded healer. Chiron was the wounded healer in astrology. Mm -hmm. And Chiron in our chart speaks to our earliest childhood wound that when we work through it, we become sort of a helper for others or like a beacon of light for other people. But again, that work is always on the person themselves, they heal themselves. Mm-hmm. So I would say no, Like I do like to help. I like to help people make sense of things, mm-hmm. if we can do that. But I don't think I'm someone who would say I could claim to heal anybody. I did work on some pharmaceuticals that heal people quite literally. So maybe in that Mm -hmm. regard, but Mm -hmm. in terms of like, I'm not a Reiki practitioner. That's not a part of my ancestry. So I don't do any like energy work or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it is not a qualification that you have to call yourself a healer to be on this podcast, so don't worry. <laughs> You're like apologizing. No, I don't think... It's totally fine.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> well, just kind of think like, have I ever done any real like healing work for anyone other than myself? No. So I don't think mm-hmm. I would consider myself a healer. Like, I'm just a friend to people who are looking for some help or some clarity or just someone to like scream something at. And I can be like, okay... You screamed it. Do you feel better? Like sometimes, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's all it is. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a healer. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have a lot of fine print in Mm
0: -hmm.
1: our bookings that say like we're not therapists. We don't deal if we suspect that there's any sort of mental illness or neurodivergencies that we're not equipped Mm -hmm. to deal with. Like we end the reading, we'll refund you. We don't read on medical things Mm -hmm. at all. So that's really reserved for you guys. You guys went to school to do the therapy work.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, thank you for not practicing outside your scope. That's important. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a problem. Yeah. Well, do you consider yourself a wounded healer?
1: Oh, I think we all are that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever met a person who doesn't have something. That, you know, a lot of people
0: who don't think they have something,
1: but <laughs> well, that's that's something entirely different. But right. you know, I think, I think everybody's had something happen that they carry with mm. them, and like you just sort of have to learn to work through it's like resiliency, right? That's what it is to be a resilient human.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. We don't have a ton of time left, and I'm wondering because I think I have a lot of baby witches out there who are interested in this sort of stuff. If you had any advice for someone who was interested in starting to explore tarot, astrology, science witching and anything like that, <laughs> where where would you send them? What what advice would you have for them?
1: I would say be open but also critical of your sources because something that happens a lot in this space is we get a lot of appropriation and there's a lot of people who are profiting off of things that aren't theirs. And we spend a lot of time on this and educating on this through Shop. Social media is lovely. It's a great way to find connection, but it's also not the place to be receiving a lot of this information. I mean, some is fine and it does connect you to other people in the community, but you should be looking at sort of if you have the privilege to know your ancestry, that's always a really wonderful place to start because the best Mm -hmm. way for you to be in touch with the practices that align with you is to sort of do what your ancestors did. And at least then you know you're not doing harm to Mm -hmm. other cultures or vulnerable groups. I would say to read books, read lots of books. Remember books? Remember those? What? No. (laughs) Do reading, ask lots of questions. Stores. Hi, remember brick and mortar stores? You can go into places and talk to people and Mm -hmm. make connections that way. I just, I see a lot happening on TikTok and Instagram that's really good And then I see a lot happening on TikTok and Instagram that makes me nervous for people who are just getting started. I mean, especially like stuff Mm -hmm. like the Moldavite thing. I'm sure you heard about that where like Moldavite went like trendy or viral on TikTok. And it's a stone. It's a crystal. (laughs) Right. It's a rock. I know a bunch of crystal people. It's a really expensive one, isn't it? Well, so the thing with Moldavite is that the earth doesn't make it. It came from like a a foreign object that hit earth Mm -hmm. and it's like space glass essentially (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it's rare and supply and demand and basic economics say that when something is rare we can charge a lot of money for it Mm -hmm. and people on tiktok were saying like it'll ruin your life it's no joke if you get it it'll change this and i'm just like it's a rock the idea that certain things can be trendy in spirituality or the idea that you even have to abide by rules Right, like I'm not a Wiccan, I'm not a pagan, no shame to people who are, but like I do my own thing because I want to do what vibes with me. So I want to empower young witches to have a really open mind, take in a lot of information, and then ask yourself: is it safe? Is it ethical? Do I align with it? Like Gwyneth Paltrow has really caused some problems. Like, definitely we should never be putting crystals in our vagina. There's just a lot of misinformation out there, and a lot of stuff that, from a health and safety standpoint, is actually quite dangerous. Right. So, those are the things. Is it ethical? Is it safe? Do I align with it? And sometimes you can only get that through taking a lot of information in from a lot of different sources. Like, don't ever be afraid to ask.
0: Yeah. Brilliant words. Just, I'm so impressed by you.
1: I love this conversation so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, yeah, it's. I haven't been on a podcast in a really long time. And I'm on fresh ADHD meds, which I feel like make me stumble over my words. And you're a therapist, so you'll get this. I was in a Discord chat. We have a little Spoonies text channel in there. So we all talk Spoonies? about Spoonies? yeah, we talk about our mental illnesses. Like I'm sure you've heard of like the spoons. Oh, how many spoons you have? Okay. So it's like spoonies. And I was telling people like, I'm doing a podcast interview this evening and I have this intrusive thought that the interviewer is going to ask me a question and I'm only going to be able to respond with salt and pepper lyrics. Like nothing (laughs) else is going to come into my head. (laughs) Well, then we would have just had a sing along. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. They're going to ask me a question and my mind's going to go blank. And then I'm just going to start singing Push It. <laughs> so, Push It. I dun, mean, dun, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> So, you know, I'm happy that, you know, it's been as good and as smooth as it is. Because I feel like sometimes the meds, my... I describe it as like living in 3X on TikTok, but everything mm. else around you being in 0.3X. So like if you pause for a second, you feel like it's like 20 minutes, but really it's only been a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this has been lovely. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're brilliant. So tell people all the places they can find you so everyone can follow you.
1: So I did not think about SEO when I started my small business. Uh, <laughs> my my business name is The Eighth House, but that is a very common astrology thing. And so I was not able to secure that domain or handle literally anywhere. So my website and all my socials are at shop the eighth house and eight is the letter or the letter, the The number number, eight, t h not the word right now. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, newly on TikTok. TikTok is a jungle. I don't know what a a wild beast that platform is. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm newly on TikTok. I really spend a lot of time on Patreon and Discord, though, with all the stuff that just came out from the whistleblower. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm committing harm by being there. Mm. And if you don't know about that, I'm not going to just look it up. Look up the things that the whistleblower talked about. Mm -hmm. I also don't need Zuck to sue me. I really can't afford it. I own a tiny business. (laughs) But (laughs) please please don't sue me. You have very beady eyes that I don't trust. Please don't sue me. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah. So, like with a lot of those things where you can see that they're prioritizing this content that's really harmful to vulnerable groups and and whatnot, I feel like me making content that keeps people in app
0: Mm. is me
1: like low key Mm -hmm. being complicit and putting vulnerable groups, you know, at risk. But also, they have a monopoly. It's hard for small businesses to not be there. So I've worked really hard to do the Patreon Discord thing offline. And if you're in New Jersey, come see us. We have a store. It's in Mount Holly, which is like Philly suburbs, South Jersey. We're like maybe a half hour outside of Philly and we're full service online. So if you're not Mm -hmm. local, you can shop online and we ship faster than Daddy Bezos. We process all orders in 12 hours and we do two day shipping.
0: I ordered a couple of (laughs) things and I have to tell you that the roll on, I don't know if it's perfume or intention oil, is that what you call it? Yeah. The confidence of a mediocre white man, that (laughs) shit smells so good I got it for my friend and I almost didn't give it to her because it smelled so good I'm just gonna have to buy some more because it was delicious I
1: have to make some more but yeah that's please that is actually there's no fragrance in it it comes just from like all the herbs and stuff that we soak it's an oil that has like herbs and crystals and all kinds of stuff in it. But yeah, that one. Have the Confidence of a Mediocre White Dude. That's one of our best sellers. We also have the yeah. protection one. Uh, don't Talk to Me or My Son Ever Again. That one is another <laughs> classic, classic <laughs> meme culture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can shop online with us. You can book readings. You can join us anywhere on the internet. I don't understand Twitter. So I'm sorry, I'm not on Twitter. I don't yeah. understand it. So, yeah. But yeah, that's it. That's everywhere that you can find me.
0: Well, you're amazing, Sarah. Thank you. I think you're the best Sarah without an H that I've ever met in my life. You're amazing, Sarah. You have such fun hair. Thank you. (laughs) I just got it done this weekend. So it is nice and Mohawky today.
1: I used to do short hair and I miss it deeply.
0: Well, we welcome you back anytime. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so great.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks so much to Sarah for being a kick ass guest today. To find out more about Sarah and Shop the Eighth House, you can go to slash podcast. And thanks as always to the amazing Andrea Clunder and Creative Imposter Studios, to Liam O'Donnell for our album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, Happy New Year!